Hello and welcome to The Double Life. I'm John Boozdar and this is episode two, part one, A Guide to Getting Lost, which seems counterintuitive. But this week on The Double Life, a story of redemption, taking chances and ultimately trusting in the universe to guide you back home, no matter how lost you may be. From thunderstorms in Thailand, explosions in Turkey, to French soccer stadiums and thousands of miles in between, which in the end creates a whirlwind of emotion that guides you through a journey that you've always wanted to take, but have been afraid to actually try. This is The Double Life. And one last reminder, this episode does contain some explicit language and is only intended for an adult audience. Thank you and enjoy. I was just living that young 20s life of working at a bar and drinking constantly, um, not really having any care in the world. And that was definitely like a consistent theme for my life is I did whatever I wanted to do. And her and I moved in together. It was her first time moving out. And we just thought that you know, being best friends, it was going to be the best thing in the entire world, even though everyone told us not to. We did it. We partied, we drank, you know, we had sex with whoever we wanted to. And in about six months time, it just got a little tiring of doing the same thing over and over again. We went on a camping trip and we both talked about how like, we're getting older, things are changing. It would be nice to, you know, travel more, experience different things. We both had really good jobs at the time. Um, I was working at a bar, I had a salary. I only worked maybe four days a week um, and getting paid like enough to pay rent and bills and party and do whatever I want. And then nice, um, I, we had this, we had this neighbor, we always knew this neighbor existed, right? Like we had always seen him, but we'd never talked to him or I had never talked to him, never said, you know, did the wave every now and again. <laughs> right. Like, I know you live there, but why are you always home? Is like what we had always talked about as roommates. It's like, why yeah. is this guy always home? Um, mm-hmm. I would leave for work. She actually worked from home. So she was like, I'm working from home. So maybe he works from home. But he would sit out on his front porch for like eight hours a day. Just smoking. Four hours a day. Just eight, hanging out. Eight, like eight hours a day. Just sitting. Eight on hours his, a day. Just smoking cigarettes, like chain smoking on his phone, listening to music. Eight hours a day, this <laughs> guy would do. We wow. had no idea. Yeah. We're like, okay, cool whatever right like mm-hmm. and our apartment complex was really small I think there was like 40 units in it and I came home after you know a crazy night out at like 5 a.m and who do I see walking through the apartments it was this neighbor and he was like hey you're coming home late and I was like or early you know just little chit chat stuff and Mm -hmm. we spent like half an hour 
talking about just life. It was the weirdest thing ever. Um, and he was like, Hey, what are you doing later? Do you want to hang out? Do you want to have a barbecue? Sure. Yeah, let's do it. I'll bring some beers. And after that, we hung out him and I every single day for a week straight. Just hmm. I would. What, what, what connected you guys? What turned this person who was, you know, just some random strange dude who was smoking cigarettes in front of his house for eight hours that you didn't really know anything about to someone who, I don't know, what was that connection that you established right away that you're like, now we're going to hang out all the time? I had so many questions about him through the months that I had seen him, right? Like mm -hmm. you have, you come up with these scenarios in your head, like, well, maybe he does this, maybe he does that. He was just a normal dude. Um, literally just a normal guy. The one difference about him was that he was retired, but he was 28 years old. That was the oh, one wow. difference about him. Mm -hmm. Um, I oh, found how old out were you at this time? I was 24, about to turn. I probably had just turned 25. Okay. So he's not. He wasn't that much older than me. Mm -hmm. And I was like, "How is how is someone 28 retired? Like, can I be retired? I would love not to work and just hang out all day long." Yeah, it sounds awesome. Definitely. It wasn't awesome for him though. It wasn't. He, no, he was retired because he actually uh, lost his leg in Afghanistan. Like his leg, oh, wow. uh, his Humvee ran over a bomb and mm -hmm. he lost his leg. He was in a coma for months. Like, Jeez. I think it was, I think it was about 56 days he was in this coma and wow. it took a lot of rehabilitation, a lot of like learning how to walk again. And he just couldn't mm -hmm. work. Like couldn't couldn't have a stable nine to five job as other people would have. That's right. why he was retired. So how quickly into you guys like getting to know each other, did he talk to you about that? Was that something that came up right away or was it something that you like found out over time? It probably took probably about a month into our friendship for me to find out like actually what had happened, there was always the, yeah, I don't have a leg and I'm retired scenario mm -hmm. that he would always say. He would tell that to strangers too. So it was the same story, but it wasn't until like maybe he felt comfortable with me in our friendship that he actually explained to me what had happened and like all the trials that he had to go through just to be, you know, a normal-ish right. person. Mm -hmm. so that's kind of what connected us was I never really asked him I didn't pry right like I didn't I didn't feel the need to know more mm -hmm. I was just cool with hanging out with someone who had similar taste in music liked to drink like I did we could have a cigarette it was just easy and I think that's why our, our whole friendship kind of blossomed to what it was um I didn't want anything else from him just other than right. like a cool friend to hang out with a neighbor. Hey, what's up? Right. Mm -hmm. Did you feel like during that time you said that you were partying and hanging out and doing all these things. And did you feel like this connection that you had with this neighbor of yours, was this something that was harder to come by in this 
lifestyle maybe of just partying and like going out and doing things was it harder to find a real like genuine connection with people yes and no I feel like it's harder for people not to find a connection or find a genuine you know I think what it was is people are so involved with them with themselves right like, mm-hmm. yes, you can make a friend, but it really takes a lot of work to keep a friendship going. Right, us, maintaining it. With us, our friendship was, we could just hang out and it was nothing else. He didn't need to know about what was going on in my life. I didn't need to know about what was going on in his life. We were literally just kind of like surface friends, right? it worked for us. Mm-hmm. It was, it was easy in the beginning. Right. Which doesn't always happen. Like people are always like, Oh, what, what's your deepest, greatest fears? Like, come on, let's just talk about life. Let's just talk about like, yeah, humanity. that's a weird question to ask someone right away. What's your biggest fears and stuff <laughs> like that. Yeah. That's, that's when you know, it's not going to be a real genuine connection. You're like, dude, if that's how we're starting this, it's not going to go well. It's not going to, you know, so like I always think about how we make friends, right? Like it's a lot of small talk in the beginning. It's a lot of like getting to feel out these people to see if you really do like them or are gonna have a good friendship mm-hmm. with them. At least for me, right? Like right. I'll always I'll always try to make friends with everyone, but it doesn't always work with everyone. Mm-hmm. With him, and it was that it just also <laughs> that initial period beforehand where you like establish that connection of stuff that you, I don't know, can connect on. You're like, oh, wow, that person, you know, it could be something so simple as the T-shirt they're wearing or whatever. And you're like, oh, that's an awesome band. And you connect with them on that level. And then after that, creating something. But I don't know. It needs to be natural. I think whenever it's forced or something that you feel like either person is trying to, like, make it happen or try to force it a little bit, it's never a genuine or real connection. And that's when, you know, never really lasts too long. Yeah, totally. Like, and you don't know that until it's like going through the processes of it happening, right? Like, mm-hmm. we just, so, him and I just never wanted anything more from each other than a friend, I think. Like, I right, needed a, a friend. Platonic, yeah. Yeah, I needed a friend outside of my roommate who was my best friend that turned into like asking for money and bills and like getting very, you know, black and gray like hey I need money but I didn't want that anymore like I wanted a friendship and he wanted someone not to ask about his leg or why he was retired or why he didn't work you know he just wanted someone who was Mm -hmm. gonna like hang out with him and drink and smoke and not work all day like we both it it both just worked for us so it was fun Thanks. So what did that turn into? How did he play a role in what would eventually become a big change in your life? It was a huge change in my life. So he did some modeling on the side. I found out, um, you know, this, I didn't really know what he would do. He would be gone for like two or three days at a time. And I had only met him like a month before and he was like, hey, I'm leaving to go to New York. I have a modeling gig. And I was like, modeling gig, like, haha, whatever, like very funny. He's like, no, it's an actual 
a real gig. I'm getting paid. They're flying me out. It's Diesel's new summer campaign for 2016. And I was like, wow. I was like, yeah. what? And he's like, yeah, I do a little bit of modeling. Like I've traveled the world and, you know, la di da di da. And I, I always thought it was just a joke. I was like, he's going to fly to New York. Some agent is going to like put him in this rinky dinky building, you know, mm-hmm. never thinking that it was, it's going to actually be something legitimate. Right. Um, so, you know, he said, Hey, want to come? I said, sure. Let me finish the shift. I got on the next flight to New York city. He met, we met up at, we were on different flights, you know, cause diesel paid for him to fly out there. And wait, um, hold on. Did you quit your job and everything? Did you, cause how quickly of a, he told you he was going to New York and you were like, okay, cool. And then what, how did that transpire? He was like, you should come with me or you're like, okay, cool. Awesome. I'll come. Yeah. He was like, Hey, I'm going to go to New York. I'm leaving today. Do you want to go? And I was at work during this time. Mm -hmm. And I said, yeah, let me finish my shift and I'll get on the next flight out to New York and we'll meet up there. The next flight, it's going to be like, it lands two hours after you land. Cool. So I just told my boss at the time, he was a, it's a small business run, run and owned by one person. Mm-hmm. I said, Hey, I'm going to go to New York for a few days. Um, you know, uh, Ben's going to come cover my shift. And I asked Ben and Ben was like, yeah, sure. Whatever. I need the extra cash. So, um, I was salary at the time already. So I could take the days off. I would just have to make them up when I get back, Mm -hmm. which is fine. Who wouldn't want to spend all their day working at a bar anyways. So I told my boss, boss was completely cool with me skipping out on a couple days. And when I flew to New York, everything was real. This was, they put him up in a nice hotel. They chauffeured him around, they fed him. And for the first time in my life, I got to see like what the New York modeling scene was like. Mm -hmm. I sat at a table while all of these models would come in and out, change and do this and do that. And he was going through his modeling process and you know, taking pictures and getting hairstyle changes and cuts and shaves and this and that. And (laughs) I was just like, this is so unreal. Like, I can't believe this actually happened. What was it like seeing the difference of this guy that you saw at your apartment complex, you know, as some like strange person you didn't really know before that was just kind of hanging out all day, not really doing anything, you know, going from that, you know, version of him to seeing him in New York, being like catered to as this model and like in this like lap of luxury and you go like wow that is insane that he has you know essentially like two different lives in that sense that he has this weird you know just hanging out mellow life and then he has this model life in New York that must have been an interesting parallel which it is because the title of this podcast podcast is double life and right yeah, I felt life, exactly. like he definitely led a double life and mm-hmm. I had no idea about it. It's, we all lead double lives in some way, right? Like how we act at work might be different than how we act at home or towards our parents and our friends. And 
whatever you're doing, there is always something that isn't being seen. And for me, it was, this dude was professional. He was doing the work. He was working hard. And I'd always seen him be kind of like a lazy guy. (laughs) So it was like, all right, this guy like can work, you know, he, he's, he wasn't lying about it himself. He just only tells people, you know, not what they want to hear, but what they need to know at the time. And for me, that's kind of like, it was refreshing that someone didn't just want to go boast about their life, about all these cool little aspects right Mm -hmm. away. Right. Yeah. Like, like I'll keep that, keep that part of my life to myself until I'm ready for you to see it, Mm -hmm. which is kind of humbling in a way because if I was a model, I could be like, Hey, I'm a model. I do this. I do that. And totally. Yeah. Most people, I think, I mean, that's a very ego driven to an extent, you know, stereotypically, maybe not, you know, hundred, like that's how all people are, but stereotypically speaking, you know, actors, models, whatever, anything that requires looking a certain way in order to get that role or whatever, it's generally ego driven. I think, you know, most people in that situation, if they were a model or a big actor or whatever, they would tell people. Totally. always that sort of energy i would i'd be like fuck yeah model, <laughs> like dude. right you, you want to show off like what you are working hard for what you have out of it yeah but that was pride. never yeah that was never how it was with him when he talked to me right like i didn't see him how he talked to you know maybe the girls that he was trying to get or like mm-hmm. the ones he was trying to pull at a bar i never really heard any of that just what i knew from what he had told me or what i had seen so it it was like a new experience, especially seeing that going from Orange County to New York City, it's a totally different lifestyle. Like these people, they fl- they were getting flown in from all over the world. Like there was this girl from Mexico and she was like, yeah, they just fly me in for two days. I do this like every couple months for diesel. Wow. And um, she was <laughs> 16... She was 16 and doing her homework. Yeah. So there was all different types of people and it was so normal to them. Like this lifestyle is so normal to them. I'm just like over here, you know, some Hispanic from Orange County who has no idea like anything that has ever happened like this before, like only ever saw it in movies. So was there anyone else there that was like similar like a friend or whatever of the people that were there that were in the same boat as far as, you know, being new to that whole scene and kind of walking around like, Oh my gosh, this is happening. Or is it just you? No, it was literally just me. So after like being there for five or six hours, I finally got to talking to um, one of the coordinators. Cause I had been sitting at this table and she's like, Hey, what are you doing here? Like, should I have like come and contacted you before? Like, do you need something? And I was like, Hey, no, I'm here, you know, with Alex. And she said, Oh, cool. Like usually people don't bring their friends or their family to these kind of gigs. Like it's super just professional and they come in, they do the work and then they leave. And I had said, sorry, like, do you want me to leave? And she said, no, it's totally fine. Like hang out for as long as he's here. Um, just people think of this as like a job and they don't have fun with it. So I'm glad, you know, someone's like, sharing their experience and having fun. And she was like, 
eat all the food you want. It's catered, like, da, 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 you know, just like so nice and open to me about it. But there was no one else there. It was only the models and the people who were working. And then I turned into this, like, maybe because it was so out of the box that I was there that it turned into like people coming up and talking to me and being like, Hey, how are you? Like, what are you doing? Like, have you been to New York before? Like, where are you going tonight? And all like, people were just becoming so nice after they realized that I was just there to support him or like hang out with him, Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which when people talk about New Yorkers or anybody in the modeling industry, they're always like, people are so rude. Like they don't talk to you. That was never my experience. I only ever had like a great experience, but that did come to an end, you know, the end of the days. And we got suggestions of like where to go and hang out and who to see and like what to do. And usually when you go to a place, you don't have the insight from people right away. Right. From like local people. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of just like figure it out on your own and do it. But we had people, you know, telling me you should go here. There's this great club and da, 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 da. And it was just like, wow. All right. Like, cool. I might as well make this trip to New York worthwhile. So Mm -hmm. that was definitely an, in. that was the start of it all. Like it really was the start of what would turn into me leaving the United States for almost three years. Leaving the United States for three years after that, that was the beginning of it. Is it because you saw something that you're like, all right, I'm out of here. Like I want to go explore the world and see what people are like. Yes. So I basically always felt, I always feel, and I still feel this way. Orange County is really small when you think about it. You can run into people that you've met, you know, years prior in high school. And a lot of people are still around here. And the cultures, as much as there is culture here, it's very close-minded. And that's my opinion, right? Like there's Mm -hmm. totally people here could benefit a lot from traveling and experience all these different cultures and scenes and I wanted that. Like I had seen weird as it may be what the modeling life was like in New York. And I was like, cool, this is fun. Cause I thought I would just be flying back to California and going back into my job and being normal again. I didn't think that my experiences or like my intrigue would go any further. Right. So what did that first, like, you know, couple days back after that initial New York trip, what did that look like? Did you have some sort of, you're just like, oh, this sucks. I don't want to be here. Or you just had a sudden, like, different perspective on how your day-to-day life was before you went on that trip? Well, we didn't come back for about two weeks. Oh, wow. Okay, so your job that you said you were leaving for about three days or whatever, and that trip ended up being two weeks. Yeah. And... So that I lied to my boss a couple times. Him. Yeah, like, I lied to hey, him. Okay. <laughs> right. And, you know, I missed my flight the first one, like a whole bunch of just different little lies. And he knew, like, I probably could have told him, like, hey, I'm not coming back for a few weeks. But it was just more part of the whole. The trip kept getting extended, right? 
So after New York and after we were supposed to fly back home, we just decided to rent a car and drive parts of the East Coast that he and I had never been to before. So the trip was just getting pushed back more and more and more. So we ended up in Boston. We ended up in Rhode Island. Then we ended up driving back to Boston and like, you know, going to a different part of town and seeing Connecticut, like where I'd never seen before. So it it was a long three-day trip turned into a two-week trip. Right. So how long have you known this guy by now? Like at this point, how long have you guys known each other? A month. One maybe month. Like, maybe like wow. three weeks. Because I had met three him weeks like a and week. That, and two that weeks accounts that for traveling with him. Right. Well, how long did you know him before you you said you knew him for about almost a month before you went to New York? No, I knew him for probably about two weeks. You knew him two weeks and you're comfortable enough to go like, oh, yeah, dude, I'll go to New York. And then that trip turns into two weeks longer, you know, with someone that you knew for. Yeah, less than a month. What was like, how did you feel? that connection or that comfortability to do that with someone that you, you know, in all honesty, didn't know that well. I mean, I knew where he lived, right? Sure. Uh, Yeah. Like I I knew where he lived. But you're going, Um, you know, all around the East Coast and traveling with someone that you don't know, you know, super well per se. And then he's also someone that you're like, oh, wow, it's kind of a double life. And now you're in very you know, close and intimate situations. What, how does that comfortability, how does that trust, what does that look like? You know, where you just have an instinct that you're like, this guy's a good guy. I trust him. And this is something that is good. And I, you know, feel a connection there. I never actually felt scared or worried or like I was in danger when I was Mm -hmm. around him. And you can sometimes get like icky vibes from people, right? You could be like, dude, this guy is just weird. Like, why? Like, no, thank you. Um, And not going to lie, I Wikipedia'd him, right? So I Wikipedia'd. Wow. He's on Wikipedia? He is on Wikipedia because after the whole modeling thing that I found out was real, I was like, okay, well, if he's a model, he must have some like, um, he must be known somewhere, right? Like there's something online right. that I can find about him. So his Wikipedia page is dedicated to like all of his medals that he had ever won in the Marines and then going on to his life as a model and like the advocacy he had done. So he had this page and I had read it in New York and I was like, okay, cool. Well, at least this guy is like known. I'm not like too worried. He seems like a good guy. I'm not getting any icky vibes from him. So like, Mm -hmm. I might as well just keep going with it. He was cool to me. He never made me feel threatened in any way. He never put me in any like, you know, strange circumstance. Um, And he always joked with me you can run away faster than me, even if I was going to do to do something to you. Cause I have one leg. It's like, he always joked to me. 
that was like a menacing joke. You're like, that's funny, but also, let's yeah, hopefully we I mean, that. I mean, I felt bad when he first said it at first, but then he said it a couple times over, and I was like, okay, like he's he's like lighthearted about it. So I never right. felt like yeah. there was anything where I needed to be super, you know, what's the word like weary about it. It was just yeah, it was just cautious, easy. Yeah. So I trusted him. I probably I maybe shouldn't have given him so much trust in the beginning. Right. But I did it. Whatever. It led me to <laughs> it led yeah. me to it led me to Cape Cod, basically. My trust okay. with him. So and we're in Cape Cod now. We're in Cape Cod. I trust this guy. Why? I don't know. Um you want to give him a name? It doesn't have to be his real name, but just for the story. You can use Alex. Alex is his real name. Okay, um, cool. So Alex. Alex. We've had we've been talking about him this whole time. We're like, we don't even know his name. So Alex. Okay. Alex. Yeah. Um, and he and I, we like our we like our dive bars, right? Like mm-hmm. we connected over our love of shitty dive bars with sticky floors. Okay. And <laughs> we found this awful dive bar in Cape Cod that smelled like fish you know completely disgusting uh-huh and to this day I was probably so drunk I can't remember how we got on the conversation of let's booking one-way trips let's book a one-way ticket to Europe and take a trip hmm. so wow. all I know is I had a one-way ticket to Denmark with him sitting right next to him on the flight that would leave in about three weeks. Wow. Okay. And this is at the tail end of a two week trip that you spent that was on, you know, a sporadic on the moment kind of thing. Wow. We didn't even, there are so many logistics to work out. I found out in that three week period that Mm -hmm. Just, I mean, I could have not taken the flight now that I think about it, but that wasn't really an option, right? Like it was just, yeah, there, we have these tickets, like, let's go for it. Yeah, of course. We've already traveled for two weeks. Mm -hmm. So you came back in three weeks, you were hanging out, preparing, and then what did that look like? Did you go back to work? Was it normal life? And then knowing that you were going to just leave again for what would be probably an indefinite amount of time. So when we finally flew back to Orange County, I had to tell my roommate, like, hey, I'm leaving. So there was the worry about rent. Then I had to go to my boss and be like, hey, I need to quit this job. Um, I'm going to go to Europe and I don't know when I'm coming back. Mm Mm-hmm. How do I tell my parents that I'm leaving the country? What about all of the bills that I have? Like, I'm not going to have a job. I don't have that much in savings. What about money when I'm there, right? There are so many things that I didn't think about that I'm still paying for till this day. Um, Wow. How long ago was this like from today? When did this happen? 2016. Okay, wow. So not even that long ago. No. Three, four years ago. Okay. So in to that May of 2016 is act like it's coming up. Oh my gosh, it's April 29th. 
Um, yeah, it's almost coming up on a year of when we left, this happened. We left May 4th. I'll, like, we left May 4th, 2016 to Denmark. So, you left May 4th? Yeah. Awesome. This would be a good time to like release the episode on May 4th. It's like a little anniversary thing. Yeah, totally. Like that, it, it, you know, that's just a universal lining right there. Yeah. Um, all right. We'll do it. May 4th. May the 4th. <laughs> yeah. Sick. All right. Cool. So, Continue. So we had a lot of things to work out. He still had an apartment. He, his lease, his lease was going to be up, you know, so he had to worry about getting rid of everything. Um, in his apartment because he's like I'll just put it into storage when I come back it'll be fine I'll get it out or if I ever come back that was the joke we always joked about like what if we never come back like I moved a whole bunch of stuff into my parents garage my dad was you know not happy my mom said go for it I wish I could have traveled um but there was one thing that I had that a lot of people don't have was Alex actually offered me financial security to go travel with him. He did what? He offered, he gave me financial security to go travel with him. Okay. How did that, what is, what does that look like? He's basically like, you know, whatever you need, I'll get it. He said, for as long as you're traveling with me, um, I'll pay for everything. Wow. That's awesome. So that's another like trust thing is I, I didn't know how long that would last, what that would look like. Like what if we got to Denmark and then he just like left me two days later and I would be stranded there. Right. Like, yeah. And how does that look from, (laughs) I think just from a friendship perspective right like having money get involved usually makes things pretty dirty or just like messy you know the relationship may have a point where it gets worse just many kind of makes things worse so yeah that's also something where you're like what if you know down the line he's like hey what about that one time i you know paid for you to go to europe or whatever and now i need you to do this you know yeah the money thing for us was always it was always there. Like we had always known that I was going to have to be dependent on him for getting around for food, for the alcohol that we would drink together. Right. Like he could afford it for himself. Um, it kind of just like our friendship, it just worked. He never, ever complained to me that I was a burden to him or that he didn't want to, you know, pay for my plane ticket to the next country. He never said anything like that, ever. I mean, I don't know how he feels about it now. Maybe he regrets it. Mm. But for us, it wasn't about the money. It was about the experience, like the just going and the just doing it. Mm -hmm. But not everyone has that. And that's why, like, I feel like I was so lucky in this opportunity to travel the world that other people don't have. People have their entire life savings that they spend on just traveling for, you know, six months or a year where I didn't have to worry about any about any of that. Mm -hmm. So you had to do it. I mean, when you weigh the pros and cons based on what you just said, 
I mean, naturally, there's going to be a lot more cons from the perspective of like, you know, your family and job and all that stuff and having to like be dependent on him for money and stuff. But the pros are kind of tying into what you talked about at the latter part of that sentence, which was, you know, just going and doing it and being like taking advantage of an opportunity in your life that, you know, if you didn't take advantage of, you might regret. He was my friend and I probably would have gone either way for as long as I could have. Cause I did wind up selling like pretty much all of the stuff that I could sell for money. Um, in order to have as much money to get me as far as I could go with him without his support. Right. Like it was, I ended up with like a couple thousand dollars, which Mm -hmm. goes a long way if you're a really frugal traveler. Right. So cheap Airbnbs, cheap flights. And once you get to Europe, it's really cheap to fly everywhere. So I was like, okay, cool. Like at least I could be out here for a couple of months. And if I have to come back in three months, that's fine. I'll get another job. Like I'll move back in with my parents. Definitely. I wasn't too worried about it. I was going to go and have a good time either way. Mm-hmm. So Little then we, <laughs> what, Little, so you ended up in Denmark, right? Is that the first place you went? Yeah, we went to Denmark and it was expensive. It was expensive as shit. Okay. So uh, right, right out the gate, you're <laughs> plan there's a wrench thrown into it you're like fuck all right so that all my money's gone right away first country we go to yeah pretty much i just kept like it money we would go and get a burger and it would be like 12 dollars right and i'm just seeing foreign transaction fee foreign transaction fee i'm like i'm like hey alex this isn't gonna work like i know you'll pay for me but i also don't want to be a burden so like let's move on to the next country and he was like sure where do you want to go and we would on skyscanner you can put where you are Mm -hmm. and it will give you the cheapest airfare to any place in the entire world it'll what is this what is it called on skyscanner it's just like a setting so you can type in to where you are and you can press anywhere in the world and it will Mm -hmm. tell you how much it costs to fly from like Denmark to Morocco or Denmark to Iceland, right? Like it will just keep giving you all of these lower prices. Mm -hmm. It is super cool if you don't have an agenda, right? Like if you don't have dates you need to stand by, go for it. That's awesome. Yeah. On our flight to Denmark, we actually befriended one of the flight attendants and she said, hey, check out flights from Denmark to Thailand. They're super cheap. There's one leaving in three days. Um, I'm going to be on that flight. And if you get to Thailand, I'll tell you all the good places to go in Thailand. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, nice. So after spending three days in Denmark and realizing like, hey, this place is really expensive. Let's get on this flight to Denmark or let's get on this flight to Thailand. Mm-hmm. We got on the flight oh. to Thailand. It's awesome. I like where the story's going. I feel like this is when shit's going to get out of hand. Thailand's the spot. Thailand is amazing, but we also went in summertime. Ooh, okay. Humidity. It was, 
hot. It rained. It would rain for like 45 minutes, the hardest rain I've ever seen in my entire life, right? And then just be like sticky and hot and just bugs all the time and like dirty, hot air, stuff that we weren't used to. Mm-hmm. I think like when we landed in Bangkok, it was like 103. Oh, and so fun. we we're just like, we're so unprepared for this. We only had our backpacks on us. And like we were preparing for like tile or Denmark weather, which is, you know, a little bit cooler. So we had long sleeves and, you know, stuff like that. And this was before I knew that you could get like, you know, wearable and washable clothes that you can wash in a sink. I had like all my cotton stuff and (laughs) terrible clothes to take traveling. Really Uh heavy, but we just made it work. So we're in Thailand and we're there for 28 days. Oh man. So So did you plan that initially when you went into it or is it? How many, how long did you plan to go when you first went there? Were you like, oh, it was a couple of days or? So when you fly to a country and you don't have a ticket out, they mm. actually tell you that you have a certain amount of days. And for Thailand, it's 30 days. Wow. You have 30 days from the time that you get into the country to leave the country um, unless you have like a certain type of visa. Right. So we were like, Hey, let's spend literally the longest amount of days we can. We'll hang out and then we'll figure out where we're going to go next. So like the 25th day we're like, shoot, we really need to like get back to Bangkok to figure out where we're going to go next. Cause we had mm-hmm. flown to another Island outside oh. of Bangkok. So it was just like a lot of like, go, 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 go. And, um, you know, 30 days in Thailand, Thai food and hot weather. We were just like, wherever we can go, that's different. Like, let's just, let's just take a flight. And what was the craziest story? One quick little crazy story from Thailand that you remember or your favorite story? Um, we were in an Airbnb on the top of a mountain outside of um, the like main strip of Phuket, which is like a really popular island. Mm-hmm. And it was the two of us in this, you know, six unit apartment with a French girl that we could not understand. <laughs> And him and I would walk around to the pool naked hmm. because there was no one ever there. Nice. And yeah. we, we would just like hang out and walk around naked and kind of just like sit by the pool and do what we wanted. And we would go skinny dipping all the time. And while we were skinny dipping one day, completely, you know, butt ass naked it starts just absolutely thundering and lightning and like this crazy storm was hitting and we had to like make our way back into our room and he didn't have his leg on in the pool. You know, you can't wear a prosthetic in the pool. So he was like, I can't put my leg on. It's gonna like, 
it's lightning, metal, carbon fiber, all of this stuff. So we're just like scrambling around. It was like, holy shit. People don't really think about like, you have, it takes time to put on a prosthetic, right? So when there's like lightning and you're in a pool, you're not really supposed to be out around water. There's wet tile, you're naked. And yeah, we could have taken our time, but it was like safety and all of this stuff. And it just, (laughs) and like, he couldn't wear a shoe on his prosthetic. There was just so many things that were going wrong with this like one skinny dipping adventure we decided to go on. Um, everything was fine in the end, you know, it was cool. The storm passed like after 30 minutes, we were inside, we were just like laughing our heads off and uh-huh. just like, you know, cause his prosthetic isn't fully put on and I'm over here like, come on, come on, come on. Like I'll carry you. But he's like, you know, 200 pound dude. And it just like, doesn't work. And yeah, <laughs> there's like, a- how did that look from an international perspective? Did people like were they weirded out by the whole like prosthetic situation or was that something that you guys had to deal with or was it whatever people are so weirded out by it like oh, okay so that was a common thing in most of the place that you went people were like what is that what's going people on people stare people stare constantly yeah. right and a lot of people also thought that i was his carer right mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. i could carry the bags better than he could because if we needed to walk fast to like our next flight, it's not as easy as it may sound walking with, you know, a prosthetic. So a lot of people would always be like, oh, you're his carer. Does he need like, you know, some disability assistance? And I'm like, I'm just his friend. Mm -hmm. People don't really know. They're very, it's like they want to be kind, but they're kind in a rude way. Like, they don't ask him. They ask me. Does he need help? No. Mm -hmm. Ask him yourself. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I mean, it doesn't help that Alex has tattoos from head to toe. His neck is completely tattooed. All of his arms, his one entire leg is completely tattooed. His back is full of tattoos so people are also very weirded out in different cultures and they're very set back by the fact that tattoos are so abnormal especially in like asian countries yeah for sure totally it's a kind of you know it's seen as a negative thing like you're a hoodlum or you're yeah someone that like criminal can't be trusted so not only did he have tattoos but he has a prosthetic and he's with an american woman who is of ethnic ethnic descent and i also have tattoos myself so we were just like a very odd pair in Mm -hmm. any country we went to right interesting so you guys were in thailand what where did you go after that Turkey, which didn't help with tattoos and being a woman and oh, not at all. Yeah. Being having a prosthetic. Um Turkey was the cheapest place to fly to, funny enough. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um and this was this in was, 2016. It was right before uh the bombing of the airport and the coup, actually. Yeah. So shit went down in Turkey. So you were right before all of that. 
We were there a week before it happened. Oh, fuck. Okay, so barely, right? Wait, yeah. so a week before and you happened to just coincidentally leave right before it happened? Or were you like, oh, shit's getting heavy. Let's get the fuck out of here. Well, we were there when um, a bomb had went off in the market. It was like the Grand Bazaar. We were on our way to the Grand Bazaar and there was like a bomb that had gone off. And our cab driver, you know, was listening to Turkish radio and he said, I'm going to drop you guys off at this entrance because this one had the bomb and there's police and it's just better if you go in on this side and just stay to the side of the bazaar. And him, Alex and I were like, okay, like, is it safe, you know, for two Americans to be walking around? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They won't bother you. To them, it was such a normal daily occurrence. Yeah, so super nonchalant about it. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, there's just a bomb over there. So we got to take this street. No big deal. Yeah, like the city didn't shut down. Stops. Nothing. There was police presence, but everyone continued on just yeah. doing their daily normal thing. Just a trip, thing. right? Like to see, like some of those, I mean, I went to Pakistan, so I saw like Islamic countries and that perspective of it as well. And then just being able to... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about if you experienced this, but for me, there was this moment where I wasn't scared of like, you know, dying from any sort of like suicide attack or whatever. Like I wasn't afraid of it anymore because I was like, you know what, if it happens, it happens. And I have very little to no control over that situation. So fuck it, you know? And uh, I think once that happened during my trip, you know, it, I was able to enjoy it a lot more because I wasn't worried about, you know, something happening to me which i was constantly afraid of in the first you know week or two that i was there did you guys feel that or was it like always you were there for a week you said so were you constantly like in a fearful situation or were you like yeah whatever we've traveled and i mean he obviously was in like a marine that must have been yeah i don't know how he felt like we actually never talked about that and that's something really interesting because he's experienced war, right? Like war in a country and actually yeah, the effects of the like, too, yeah. yeah, like, and ex- he's experienced a repercussion of an actual bomb. And right. To totally. Me, he never, um, never showed, never showed me that there was anything to worry about. Which, what about like animosity or any sort of like no uh, he is he was no? he was you know there's a lot of people who are like oh i hate the middle east like fuck these people and this and that yeah, they and, took my leg away did he have any sort of feelings about that because i mean in theory sort of connected mm, right like no like nothing nothing to me None absolutely of that. Wow. he to me he was always just like life life's gonna happen either way kind of what you were saying right like it is what it is like Mm -hmm. either either i'm here and it's gonna happen or i'm there and it's gonna happen it's gonna happen to me it's gonna happen to someone else like yeah like if i die i die kind of Mm -hmm. mentality totally it's a sense of stoicism that i think is yeah no it's commendable that's awesome you know especially to have a personal connection with like you know his life was greatly affected in a negative way obviously by you know that whole situation and to go back to those countries where 
you know, people that are fighting for similar causes that made him lose his leg. And he's surrounded by these people and having no animosity or anger or, you know, this holding a grudge. And that's, I mean, that takes a very, I think, strong person. Yeah, I definitely do think that, like, his way of thinking and his life probably changed, like, how I see, you know, other cultures and things aren't really bad. They're not as bad as we make it out to seem like we, as a society, put more emphasis on the negative than we do on the bringing out the positive and just like people are people, you know, it is kind of that thing where if we continuously be worried about every little thing that's going to happen, like what are we, what is that going to do for like ourself? It's not going to be good, which yeah. one I learned throughout all of my travel is we, I was never scared ever. I don't think there was any situation that I was ever really scared about like what was going on around, which Wait, can you repeat really, what you just said? I was never scared about any situation that was going on around us in any of the countries that we had ever been like, it was, it's definitely a weird feeling to not be scared and just kind of like let the chips fall where they may. Like mm -hmm. some people, like our parents definitely called us. Like he, he got a call from his mom. I got a call from my mom, like, Hey, we heard bomb. Are you guys okay? And the thing about it was because we were international, our phones didn't always work and we had to rely heavily on like Wi-Fi which wasn't always reliable. So we wouldn't be in contact with people for like three or four days. And that scared a lot of people, I think more than what was actually going on around us because they didn't know. So people sure. were being scared because they hadn't heard from us, not because they thought something had happened to us, mm -hmm. <laughs> which- They just hadn't heard from you. So they didn't know what was happening and they weren't yeah. necessarily. And that- and that started to like become less and less as we moved through countries because mm -hmm. people realize like, Hey, they're gone. Like if, when they want to call us, they will call us. And right. that's one thing that I definitely feel like we did right is we weren't continuously calling home and like being like, Hey, we did this today. We did that today. It was like, Hey, I haven't talked to you in like two weeks just to let you know I'm still alive. Like, right. Yeah. Which <laughs> sometimes is just enough. You know, that's all people want to hear sometimes. So, like, all right, cool. I just want to make sure you're good. You know, yeah. Like, or like my mom would always be like, Hey, where are you? And I'm like, Oh, I'm in Japan now. But like, Hey, weren't you just in a different country? Yeah. Sorry, mom. Um, wow. A lot of that. So how long did this go on for? You guys went after Egypt. Did this continue for? After after we left Turkey, when we were, we were like, okay, oh, let's move, Sorry. let's move on from Turkey because I didn't really have a lot of clothes that would cover my tattoos, mm -hmm. and I felt like it was kind of disrespectful for me to live or like be a part of a culture where they have 
they have standards. It's fine if I want to have tattoos and, you know, walk around in shorts and a tank top, but I shouldn't put like my beliefs on other people and make them feel uncomfortable just because it's something that I want to do, at least in their culture or Mm -hmm. like to them. So (laughs) we were like, Hey, let's just get out of here. Like we've had enough time. It's cool. We've eaten, we've had enough Turkish food. It's delicious. Um, where can we go next? And we ended up going to Switzerland because the year prior, Alex had actually um, been a guest speaker at the Gay Pride in Zurich. So he already had connections in Zurich. And Mm -hmm. he hit up one of his friends and his friend let us stay in his apartment in Switzerland for a month at no cost to us. Wow. That's amazing. So, and I experienced from the beginning. I know. I experienced my first pride in a foreign country, which was amazing. I got to see the Vanga boys live. Like there was just so many um, different experiences that I can never ever have again. Hmm. So Um, many what that you can never have again? So many different experiences that I'll never have again, just because they were like my first or their one time Mm -hmm. situations, which I mean, I'd love to go to Switzerland again, but pride will never be the same for me. I mean, it'll probably never be the same for anyone ever again, but it's amazing. Like what? community and bringing people together will do to you and especially like for someone to not know you and let them stay in your house for a month yeah is really like eye-opening because people give so selflessly and I feel like the culture that I had come from like no one would ever do that no one would be hmm. like, oh, I don't know you. Here's my house for yeah. a month and just like hang in. And you can come to my club whenever you want and drink whenever you want for free. Like no one would ever do that here. Or at no, least I have an experience. Yeah. But that's what we were getting. Like that's the treatment we were getting in these other countries is people were just so open and friendly to us. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, we we did a lot of really cool things, but you know, things only happen that way because I feel like we let the, we let it happen. Like we let the universe, and this is going to sound so cliche because I feel like it's one of those things where like you see on, you know, a quote is like, we just let the universe work for us. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, Like there wasn't planning to it. It wasn't, like, hey, we need to do this. There was, you know, we would want to go see like the lake or whatever because it was, you know, the top thing to do. But I've been to 15 different countries within my travel and I haven't even touched the surface of like seeing everything important there is to see. But I have so much experience and like connections with the people and places there that I don't even care. 
Yeah, of course. And you got to experience that, like a different culture, a different society. And just, I mean, ultimately, I think the main takeaway is you met someone, right? You met Alex and he was able to introduce you to a perspective in a different world that, you know, made you, you know, kind of like see things differently, which is cool. And then it kind of also have your own interpretation of how things work and having a different perspective on culture and society and how, yeah, just how people interact. So I think that was super cool that you were able to experience that and that you were able to, I mean, ultimately grow a lot from this experience, right? Yeah, totally. Like, and what was weird about it is, although we were together like all day, every day, there was so much alone time we had within ourselves. Like I found myself, you know, experience and feeling things that I never felt before, but it wasn't anything to do with Alex. It was literally because I was alone in a different country doing what I wanted to do. Like I was with my own thoughts. I could write if I wanted to, I could sleep all day if I wanted to. There was like nothing really holding me back from just being connected with myself. So I learned a lot about what I wanted and like what I didn't want. And it's, it was a really, the opportunity to travel was given to me by Alex, but definitely like I took it and made it my own, which I'm sure he got something out of it, you know, in a different capacity than I did. Um, Mm -hmm. Because after, after Switzerland, like we started moving around a lot more where it was just like, Germany for five days or Prague for three days or hey let's go to Paris and watch the world cup for you know five days like it was just did that really happen did you do that you went to Paris and watched the world cup yeah it was fucking awesome what the hell like wow this is all on the same trip (laughs) all in the all in the same Mm -hmm. trip so in Paris, what they did was they put up like huge screens that you could see the World Cup happening, um, like on the grass of the Eiffel Tower. Wow. Holy shit. And they only let like a certain number of people in like every so often. And Alex and I just happened to like barge our way through this like massive, massive crowd of people. And we got in and we got a position and we were drinking our beers and we were watching, um, you know, it was France and Germany, I'm pretty sure. Um, So we were watching France and Germany go against each other and we had just come from Germany. So we had learned like a whole bunch of German like phrases and slang. And, you know, we were like cursing and shouting them, but we had also learned a whole bunch of French stuff. So it was just like a really... Like, I'll never experience the World Cup like that again, right? Like, all of the, no. especially in yeah. the country. So, it was cool. Um, it was what game one of those, did you watch? Do you remember? I don't remember. I mean, I was oh, really shit. drunk. <laughs> I was really drunk for a lot of oh, it. okay. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I mean. That's fair, yeah. What do you do in a European country besides drink, right? Like, I always say that I drink my way around the world Mm -hmm. so um you know I'm not surprised that I don't remember everything 
Um, I have pictures to prove it though. So my dad was like, Hey, were you actually there? And I was like, uh, yes. Cause at least I took some pictures. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I have proof. This is a proof right here. I don't remember it, but it happened. Apparently that's me right there in that picture. I was there. Yeah. Physically. Yeah. It was, it was definitely like a cool little, um, actually maybe it wasn't the world cup now that i'm thinking about it it might have been like the european cup i don't know but someone the euros the euros yeah it was definitely the euros just gonna double check on this because yes it was it was the euros because they were held in france yeah the world cup was in japan it was in japan yeah, so it was yep, Portugal and France. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, still awesome. Still, it was like cool. It was a cool experience. Competition, yeah. Yeah. Still, yeah. I mean, you and I always, like, talk about football, soccer, anyways. So that was, like, a big um, – that was, like, my start into it, really. Like, I'd always watched the World Cup mm-hmm. before, but mm-hmm. seeing the Euros were, like, a new, it was a new experience. Right. Kind of, like, jump-started something. You're like, wow, now I get why people are so, you know, crazy about this all over the world. Makes why sense. it's, like, why You don't get to see that. No. no. Like, why it's the number oh, one yeah. sport is because so many people, like, everywhere else besides America have a love of football. <laughs> It's kind of yeah. weird. Yeah, it's insane. Well, like, so, and then it just kept going. Like, we just kept going. It was, you know, Germany and Scotland and Northern Ireland. Like, we spent, we spent like a month in Belfast just hanging out with Irish people. Like, it was crazy. Um, That's just, so cool. It was so. How long did this go on for? Did he have this a year? Did he travel? Yeah. So I didn't. We came back to the U.S. Um, after after we went back to Germany for like a second time. We came back to the U.S. because Alex needed to get uh, something fixed with his prosthetic. Um, like we went to the actual German um, like manufacturing center for where all the prosthetics come from. But he needed to go to the VA and actually get it like fixed. Something broke on it. And when it breaks, like you can't clip it in properly. Mm -hmm. So we had to come back to the US. Like there was no way, um, like we couldn't keep traveling Europe. So we made our way back to the States, but traveling didn't stop there. Like we hitched a Craigslist ride from Boston to Nashville, like on Craigslist, we found some dude that would drive us for free as long as we helped him drive. And then Hmm. we drove a very trusting situation. Letting strangers drive your car. (laughs) Not for you guys. It's trusting for him. Like, yo, I'm going to take a nap, drive my car. I don't know you, but, you know. I don't know. I don't know why this whole experience was so just, like, 
we gave so much trust in people and people trusted us so much, right? That's kind of the general theme of it. Yeah, just trust. Like bad things do happen. Like there's no doubt about that. But I want to believe as a human that like more good than bad happens if you kind of just give people more trust. Sure. So yeah, but like, I mean, ultimately, it comes back to us, what we were talking about before, you know, it's like you have very little control over that. You could be super trusting, super nice, you know, and nothing can happen to you, whatever. And then you could be like the least trusting person, you know, and like something bad can happen to you. So I don't know. I think it's like, yeah, either- my opinion is like, it's going to happen or it's not going to happen. So you might as well be trusting. You might as well, you know, put yourself out there. Yeah, either way, like everyone's going to live their life differently. Totally cool. But if I could like tell people one thing is if you want something to happen, like just let the change happen because without it, you're not, you're never going to get anywhere. Like if you, there's a lot between doing and saying. So it was, it was interesting. I mean, we were stateside for almost a month while he was getting his prosthetic fixed. And Mm then, um, his sister was moving to New Zealand. Wow. So where did we find ourselves next? Thank you for listening to part one of episode two. Part two will be released tomorrow. And just a quick little thank you to Corbin Randall for the amazing intro song. Thank you to Jacqueline Lilly for sharing her story. And finally, a special thank you to all of you for uh, supporting the show. If you like us, make sure to subscribe and give us five stars on iTunes. Thank you. See you all tomorrow. Bye.